when I uh, share the title for this morning, some of you might feel, I don't want to do that. You know, we, we come this morning, don't we, with different emotions. And we might have come with sadness this morning. You know, there's a time when Jesus said that his heart was overwhelmed with sorrow. Sometimes we're sad about stuff. And that's not wrong. Sometimes we are righteously angry because of some injustice. And, uh, you know, you might have come with that sense of anger over something that's not right. And if you're in either of those two categories, you might not feel like doing what I'm going to ask this morning. Let's cut to the chair, shall we? Be thankful. Be thankful. Let's turn to Psalm 95 and 1 Thessalonians 5.18. So, Psalm 95. And I'm going to ask Richard to share a little story that's happened to him this past week, I think it was, recently after I've read these two scriptures. Psalm 95, come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did at Meribah, as they did in the day of Massa in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me. Though they had seen what I did, for forty years I was angry with that generation. I said, there are people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared, on oath, in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Then 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'm going to ask Richard to just come and share the microphones down there, Richard. A story that happened when they've been on holiday, which just fits in with this message, thank you. Yeah, this is on. Um, it, it's uh, when Becky had that picture about um, the Lord covering everything, but everything, and it just brought to mind a couple of weeks ago, um, Anne and I were on, on holiday. It's her special year this year. I won't tell you how young she is. You'll have to ask her that. But um, we, we were in Cyprus for a week, and uh, it was beautiful. Uh, I love Cyprus. I've, I've lived there for a couple of years when I was a child. 
Um, anyway, we were there, and uh, we'd, we'd hired a vehicle, and uh, we were going around every day. And on the second day, we were up, if you know the shape of uh, Cyprus, is described as a frying pan. So you've got Paphos, which is the, um, uh, the pan bit, and the handle is the other side. So we were up, <clears throat> driving up, or I was driving up on the top, and um, right on the north side of, of the coast, and um, ended up in a, in a small place called Larchi, and uh, beautiful. I mean, you're talking 26 degrees, uh, blue sky, no, no um, clouds, blue sea, so clear and clean that you can see through to the bottom, fish and all the rest of it. Anyway, we were wandering around this. So this is a small town, a fishing town, harbour town, and um, parked the car on the outside of a car park and um, walked around. We, there's several tavernas around the front and so on and walked all around, been out for a few hours and uh, eventually came back and, uh, right, so just reached in my pocket and then you have one of those heartbreaking, heart-stopping, cold sweat moments, where's the keys? So I said to Anne, did I give you the keys? No, you had them. And, and suddenly the horrible realization dawned on me that I'd put them down somewhere and where on earth had I put them? That's not quite what I said at the time. But, uh, <laughs> but um, we, while, while I was sort of, uh, I, I was sweating quietly, or not so quietly, um, we noticed that there was a, on the windscreen, um, on, on the windscreen wiper, there was a piece of paper fluttering. Anyway, took this out and, and um, dear friend, uh, we have found your keys and uh, if you'd like to phone this number, they'll, they'll let you know where your keys are. So we phoned the rental company because they obviously had the, the number off the, off the key fob and, uh, and they said, yes, it's uh, in this particular taverna. And it was the taverna that we were in that morning. So there were several along that seafront and it was the one we were in that morning. So, you know, talk about God's provision and everything. Uh, so we knew exactly where to go, and we picked the keys up and so on. But, you know, the amazing thing about it is that this was the car park in the front of this town. There was several little ones through the town itself. There was on the main road, another one on the side. There's one at the back end of this town and another one outside. So for someone to have found the keys and to have looked through the car parks to find our car um, and, and write the notes, well, I, I tell you, I was just blown away. I think you should have been a travel agent, uh, Richard. <laughs> just thought this morning, it's good, isn't it, for somebody to share testimony of being thankful. I'm sure that you're very thankful for that person who, who brought the note. And if, we, if we take God out of the equation, it's easier to find fault and complain. Well, I find that so. Do you? Do you find that in the old nature, in the old man, as it were, before we became a Christian that still hangs around, it is easy to complain and it's easy to grumble and it is easy to find fault, yes? It just comes quite naturally. But you put God in the equation and we have a command. (laughs) You put God in the equation and it changes all of that. For the Christian, thankfulness is not an optional extra. It's not like when you choose a new car and and you say, well, I'd like a sunroof, that'd be really nice. (laughs) No, it's a major part of the uh, infrastructure. It's like the engine or the gearbox. It's it's part of it. It's critically important. It is not 
an adult. You know, the amazing thing is that giving thanks is good for us. You know, even if you're not a Christian this morning, even if you, you think, well, I don't know this God stuff, God knows how you tick even better than you do. And it is wired us that giving thanks is good for us. It's a bit like when you take a plane and you go with the grain, it's quite straightforward. There's a bit of work involved, but it's, it's nice and straightforward. If you go against the grain, it just rips it all up and it's not good. Grumbling and complaining is like ripping it up. And giving thanks is like the smooth going with the grain as we were intended to. God created us to thrive in an environment of thankfulness. You know, living in an environment of grumbling and complaining, it's a bit like being under a cloudy sky. It's a bit cold and it's a bit dark and it's not great. Thankfulness is like living in the sunshine. And it's warm and it's bright and we love it, don't we? God says, whatever the circumstances, with no exceptions, give thanks. Notice God doesn't say, give thanks for all circumstances. So watching the news on Friday, it was the funeral of Leslie Rhodes, who was a victim of the Westminster terror attack. It was her last funeral connected to that. I don't think that we can give thanks for the terrorist attack on Westminster, can we? God didn't ask us to do that. God didn't say give thanks for all circumstances, because we'd be giving thanks for evil if we did that. But what he did say was give thanks in all circumstances. You know, we don't throw our brains away You know, this is not irrational rubbish. And I've got a little example of a testimony. Some of you have seen this guy before. And if you haven't, then you're in for a real treat. And if you have, then it's worth seeing again. So if we could just have the DVD, please. I wasn't ready. but I'm very thankful that I have my little chicken drumstick here. <laughs> People freak out when they see me for the first time. It's so cool. I was at a water slide um, all by myself. Everyone obviously at the bottom of the slide is looking up and waiting for other people to come down. And here I come and they're freaking out. They're like, you know, like this. And I was so tempted to look at myself and go, what happened? You know. And there were times where I sort of looked at my life and thinking, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. And you keep on concentrating on the things that you wish you had or the things that you wish you didn't have. And you sort of forget what you do have. And there's no point, I believe, in my life where I wish I had arms, legs, I wish I had arms, legs, I wish I had arms, legs, because wishing won't help. But what I've seen in life are just a couple key principles. And the first thing that I've seen is to be thankful.
key principle to be thankful. Nick is not thanking God for arms and legs, is he? No, he's thanking God for his little chicken drumstick. (laughs) And it's amazing what he can do with that thing. It is amazing. So I'm swimming on one of the videos with it flipping away and he's just swimming on his back. Amazing. There are things this morning that you can't thank God for. But I think every single one of us in this room can thank God for arms and legs. Can we? I want us to do that. You know, it might be that just getting some thanks out of your mouth will be good for you this morning. And good for me. So I want us to say it a couple of times. I just want us to say... Thank you, God, for my arms and legs. So let's all say it together. One, two, three. Thank you, God, for my arms and legs. Thank you, God, for my arms and legs. Amen. Some people are especially thankful for their arms and legs over there. (laughs) Which is brilliant. Psalm 95 gives reasons to thank God. Many reasons. And we haven't got time to look at great detail of all of them, but I'm just going to pick out some. Verses 3 to 5. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. The mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. Creation is just awesome, isn't it? (laughs) And don't we live in the best place in the world? Yes. Let's look at a couple of of slides. You know, go down to Charlestown and just look out. And on the next one, looking in there, St. Austell Bay. Isn't it awesome? I I love it. There have been times when I've gone to Dewport Beach feeling burdened, feeling stressed, and not very thankful. But it doesn't take long when you look out to sea and you think, wow, God did that. And it isn't long before praise starts to rise and a song starts to come. Hopefully there's nobody else around or not many people. Oh Lord my God, when I know awesome wonder, consider all the works Thy hands hath made. Then sings my soul, my saviour, God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. Praise and thanks are like two sides of the same coin. When you start to thank, you'll start to praise. When you start to praise, you'll start to thank. It's two sides of the same coin. And the psalm starts with that both. Praise and thanks. God is creative. And when we look at his creation, we're standing all, but there's an important part of his creation in verse 6 and 7. Come, let us bow down in worship and kneel before the Lord our Maker. You and I are the pinnacle of God's creation. It's easy to look out there, isn't it, and give thanks and say how awesome that is. 
But God looks at you this morning and says, you are awesome. He thinks you're more awesome than St. Hostel Bay. Isn't that good? St. Hostel Bay is pretty awesome, I think. I love it. But God says that we are far more awesome. The psalmist said, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It's reading word for the day, and I kept this because I loved it. He said, you are his. Whether you know it or not, you're unique. You're one of a kind, a genuine marvel. Look at your tongue, 400 little taste buds, each capable of discerning the difference between asparagus and lemon meringue pie. And how about your intestinal system? 20 million little mouths capable of digesting almost anything. And your cooling system. For Jay, has nothing like it. 350,000 sweat glands per square inch. Let me say that again. 350,000 sweat glands per square inch. And your sensory system. A network of 10 million nerves whose branches send and interpret messages prescribing a response to each. You're one in six million, billion. Nobody else has your voice pattern, your fingerprints, or your DNA. Isn't that amazing? You're awesome. We used to sing a, a children's song. If I were a butterfly, I thank you, Lord, for giving me wings. And all the animals thanked God for whatever it was. And then we got to the chorus. But I just thank you, Father, for making me, me. I just thank you, Father, for making me, me. Can you say that this morning? I just thank you, Father, for making me, me. You know, in this era of social media, of celebrity culture, we are constantly bombarded with images of people who are more beautiful or more handsome than we are. I think it's one of the massive downsides of social media. All the time... It's almost screaming at us, you're not good enough. You're not as beautiful as you should be. You're not as handsome as you should be. You're not as intelligent as you should be. There's somebody better than you. It screams at us. There's somebody better. I can't thank God for making me six foot two, dark, with a six pack. Because <laughs> I'd be lying. <laughs> that isn't me. But I can thank God for making me me. Unique, with strengths and weaknesses. I can compare myself with people and feel absolute rubbish. Or I compare myself with people and feel great. That isn't the measure. The measure is, Father God created you and me to be just as we Ah. Isn't that awesome? We can thank God for making 
us who we are. You know, the reality is nobody has a perfect body. We're going to have to wait to heaven to get those perfect bodies. (laughs) They're coming, (laughs) but we don't have them yet. So we can thank God for creation, and particularly in this area, the sea and the clifftops. We can thank him for us, his masterpiece. But we can also thank him for what he says in verse 7. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Isn't that beautiful? Individually we are sheep, together we are a flock. And God says, I'm going to care for you. I care for you as a good shepherd. I'm a farmer's son, my dad was a good shepherd. And he he knew how to care for sheep. So he would make sure that they had good pasture, plenty to eat. He would make sure that if the stupid animals got out, which they used to do, that we would drop everything and run to find them and to bring them back into the fold. If one was sick, he would give it medication. He would treat it to make it better. I remember once travelling with Dad across the Yorkshire Dales and uh, the moors were on either side and he spotted a sheep. It wasn't his sheep. He spotted a sheep that was rigged. For those of you who don't know what that means, it means that it was on its back with a heavy load of wool and its feet were sticking up in the air like that. Now, when a sheep is rigged, it's had it. It cannot, of its own accord, get back on its own two feet. And you can tell how long it's been by the little pile of poo at the back. You can tell how long it's been there. So Dad said, go and rescue the sheep. So he stopped the car, and off I ran, and rolled the sheep onto its feet. Staggered around a bit, and then walked off. I saved that sheep. Would have certainly died. Jesus, the good shepherd, cares for you and I so much. We cannot get our heads around how much he cares for us. Greater love has no one than this, than a man lays down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for his enemies, because we were enemies of God. He laid down his life freely for us. And we're going to celebrate and give thanks in a few moments for communion where we remember his great sacrifice for us. He is the good shepherd. You know, it's so important that we do not become familiar and complacent with our salvation. So important that we do not take for granted what God has given to us. And this psalm ends with that warning. We have an example of God's people, the children of Israel, being ungrateful for God's salvation. God had delivered them out of Egypt... And they were on their way to the promised land. They were travelling through the wilderness and God had provided with, for them food. It was a type of bread substance called manna. 
It's described like this in Exodus 16.31. White like coriander seed. Tasted like wafers made with honey. So I suppose our equivalent would be bread and honey. Sounds quite nice. But there are a number of times when they grumbled and complained. Numbers 11 verse 4. The rabble with them began to crave other foods. And again the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. God, we are sick of this manna. We're fed up of eating it. We don't like it. We are ungrateful. Now, we might be tempted to be hard on them, but just hold on a minute. Just hold on a minute. Forty years on a diet of bread and honey, <laughs> with a bit of meat thrown in now and again. But do you feel like complaining? <laughs> we should learn from their mistake, because it was much more than about food. And if we m- keep reading in Numbers 2... Verse 18 and 20, the command is, Consecrate yourselves in preparation, for tomorrow you will eat meat. The Lord has heard you when you willed, if only we had meat to eat. We were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. You will not eat it just for one day or two days or five, ten or twenty days, but for a whole month. Until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it. Because you have rejected the Lord who is among you. And you have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? They're complaining about food was just the tip of the iceberg. What was really going on in their hearts was an unthankfulness for God's deliverance. God had saved them from Egypt. They'd cried out for God to save them, and he saved them. But they were hankering after their old way of life. I wonder if there's somebody here this morning, and you have been saved, but you were hankering after your old way of life. You're saying, I used to get drunk in the pub with my mates, and you're hankering after it again. You had dishonest gain and you were able to buy stuff that now you can't because you're no longer cheating. You're living righteously. And you're saying, I wish I had what I had then. Hankering after the old way of life. They were not grateful for their salvation and the way of life that resulted from it. What about us this morning? Are we thankful for our salvation? Are we? Are we thankful? Is our heart thankful to God for what he has done? Are we ungrateful for what we don't have or what we've lost?
You know, we need to remember where God has brought us from. The Egyptians had been delivered from much. And they needed to remember how bad it was. And what they'd been rescued from. And they also should have realized that they didn't need to spend 40 years in the wilderness. If they'd trusted God and believed him, they'd have gone straight in. It was their unbelief. It was their lack of obedience that kept them in the wilderness. And sometimes we blame God for the consequences of our sin and grumble and complain about our situation and we've made it. God is gracious. He's a good shepherd. And he is with us. And he provides for us. As he did in spite of them messing up. God didn't say, tough, you know, I've given up on you. No, he was with them. He was their shepherd. He provided for them. But their grumbling and their complaining robbed them of the sunshine of his presence. They were living under a cloud. Verse 8, the psalmist says, Do not harden your heart. Don't contend with and test God with grumbling. Be thankful for his provision. So the, the message to me and to you this morning is, Be thankful. Be thankful. We're going to come to communion now and we're going to be thankful. I think if there's anything that we ought to be thankful for, it is Christ's death, isn't it? What he has done for us.